if you are located outside of the European Union, the United Kingdom and or Switzerland, then you need an authorized representative. So I have a good news, you have found it with Easy Medical Device. And if you are also in need of an importer in Europe and in Switzerland, then contact us definitely at info at easymedicaldevice.com. I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com and I'm sure we can help you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we will talk about UKCA or UK for the medical devices. Um, so we were waiting since a long time for uh, an information from the UK about the extension that they were planning for uh, UKCA. And we got it uh, last week. Uh, so the idea was mainly to understand more about that. So um, now a lot of people that are following UK or uh, were wanted to follow UK were asking uh, what is happening now, what should I do, where should I go, etc. So this is what we'll try to discuss about today. And for that, I have with me Alex Denun, partners at Bristow's, sorry, in the UK, who will help us to understand all that. So Alex, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Thank you very much. It's a great pleasure to be here. Great. So thank you for, for being here. And uh, yeah, as, as we said, so June is the period of stress for some of the uh, <laughs> medical device manufacturers. They were all saying, oh, but on the website of the MHRA, it's still marked the 30th of June, 2023. What should I do, etc. So now there is this announcement that is coming and we'll talk about that. But just uh, before that, can we have a small introduction of yourself and your company also? Sure. Uh, so my name is uh, Alex Danoon. I've been I'm a solicitor based in London, and I've been advising people in the life sciences sector for about thirty years now. Um, I'm at a law firm called Bristow's, and we advise fairly much exclusively life sciences and tech clients. And I'm in the life sciences regulatory team doing regulatory questions all day, every day. Um, <laughs> a lot of cutting edge products, and also a lot of conventional products. So um, as as you said, so we are now in a at a stage in the UK where we have a lot of uh, questions about uh, the UKCA, the UK extension, the UK regulation. Um, and so maybe you have also some customers that are starting to, to contact you and ask you what should I do, et cetera. So before to go deep dive on this one, I wanted for the audience just to understand more of the history. So what first, what happened? I mean, since when this is happening and why we arrived to this stage uh, at what we arrived today? And we managed to get a couple of minutes in without having to mention the B word Brexit. So let's go back in the time machine. Brexit came along and the UK legislative framework at that stage was basically the directive legislative framework, MDD, AIMDD, uh, IVDD. Um, and in order to accommodate Brexit, we had to make a bunch of changes back in 2001 for example, to ensure that Northern Ireland would follow EU MDR, EU IVDR, whereas Great Britain, England, Scotland, Wales would uh, follow the existing legislative framework. We also created things like the UKRP and a variety of other requirements, but we didn't do a wholesale change of the legislative framework. We just got it ready. And at that time, quite rightly, the government thought, 
There's absolutely no point forcing everyone to get a UK CA mark, the equivalent of a CE mark, um, it, provided that it's already provided a product is a CE marked either under the legacy directives or under the new regulations. That product can have automatic access into the UK, subject to a few small steps. And uh, back in 2001, they said, however, that of course there has to be a horizon on that, and that horizon will be middle of 2023. Um, <clears throat> however, it became increasingly apparent that actually people weren't putting much effort into getting UKCA marks and the infrastructure wasn't there. We didn't have the approved bodies to be able to do it in any event. So it became very apparent uh, nearly two years ago now that actually the government was going to defer the crunch deadline for the uh, UK for obtaining UKCA marks. Um, and whilst the government uh, actually didn't get around to changing the law until last week, yeah. surprisingly, um, we now have very generous transitional periods through till 2028, 2030. Um, and that may change even further. But that's the basic framework. No, it's great. And 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 you're right. So, yeah, um, as, as I've said before, um, everybody was looking at the website and checking and checking and checking and say, but they announced that, as you as you said before, they announced that, yes, they will extend, but no extension came. So it was more like what's happening there. But maybe also the UK made a good move to wait for the EU to decide about this extension because then they can align with what EU has done also because EU also voted the extension of the UMGR because the same, I think it's the same reasons not enough notified bodies, not enough things. So then at the end, they cannot uh, have the right infrastructure to sustain the manufacturer. So same for UK, not enough you approved bodies. And then, yeah, we have this uh, this kind of, of situation now. So um, in terms of the UK strategy uh, for that, so what I mean, we have now UK, as you said, that is out of European Union. It's still like looking at what the others are doing. So are they, do they have now a strategy also to do things by themselves? Yes, that's a very good point. So um, the current transitional periods for obtaining a UKCA mark go through until 2028, 2030, depending what type of product it is. But we expect that to be extended even further. So in the budget this year, the government announced that there was going to be, they were going to have a very different approach for the MHRA. In essence, there would be near automatic access for devices that have been approved in another trusted jurisdiction, such as the EU, America, Japan. Okay. So we expect that there will be something like a unilateral recognition or a unilateral near automatic access for CE mark products going even beyond the 2028-2030 deadlines that are in the current proposal. So we see very few clients, with a couple of exceptions, we see very few clients putting much effort into preparing a UKCA technical file. Uh, people are really adopting a wait and see strategy. There's a couple of exceptions there. Um, and this is part of a more revolutionary strategy for the UK, whereby the government has instructed the MHRA to focus its efforts not on reapproving products that have been approved elsewhere, but actually to work with innovators of radical new products 
to get much earlier approvals and in the context of medical devices and approval from the MHRA long before you might be able to get a notified body conformity assessment concluded. And this is an important point that you are mentioning because, yes, the MHRA announced about those innovative pathways, etc. So what is important to hear here is that they will be ahead of EU in that case because EU has no innovative pathway. So it means that actually I'm working with a lot of medtech companies, also uh, some innovative companies, and they said to me, yeah, but there is no fast track or there is no help uh, at all from the authorities. We have to follow the queue like all the others. And we have also this initiative in the US of the breakthrough procedure also, where they can also um, take advantage to be a, an innovative uh, <coughs> company or product to then accelerate maybe their, uh, their, their reach to market. So UK is innovative also in that way in comparison to Europe. Yeah, so, so the UK, uh, the, the UK government has instructed the MHRA to be more cooperative, collaborative with breakthrough technologies. I don't think if you're trying to make a Me Too bandage, the MHRA is going to give you an earlier temporary authorization. It really will be for very complicated products. The government is very enthusiastic about software medical devices, AI medical devices, genomic products, polygenic risk scores, etc. So if you've got something that is complicated and will take a long time to gather the data and the dossier, the idea is that the MHRA will work alongside you as an enabler to try and help you navigate the pathway with the MHRA giving a temporary early approval in the same way they gave exceptional use authorizations during the pandemic um, while you promise, of course, to gather the rest of the data and eventually prepare your technical file and undergo a conformity assessment. But that's the idea for this conditional approval. The CEO of the MHRA, Dr. June Rain, has said she will, she expects the MHRA to no longer be a watchdog, but yeah. to be an enabler. And we, and we see that with all the announcements they are making, it's uh, really visible that, yeah, they are really trying to show that they can also be uh, creative of in terms of law of legislation and something that is fair for everyone, not just uh, um, bureaucratic, if I can say, or creating some some laws that are making no sense. It's really, yeah, let's make something that is really helpful for, for everybody. And we, we see that also. So UKCA, yes. it's the CE mark, uh, if I can say, for, for Europe. Um, it's... Still, so companies today they are they have the possibility to be UKCA if they want. I mean, if we are honest here, should we recommend them to be UKCA? Is there any advantage to be UKCA now, or should they benefit from this transition period until 2028 or 2030 for MDR devices? Uh, most of our clients are adopting a wait and see strategy and hoping that the near automatic access will be as we hope. Um, so I see very few people moving. There are exceptions. So, for example, for product to be sold exclusively in Great Britain, not Northern Ireland, um, the, the more demanding software classification rules like Rule 11 in the EU MDR yeah. don't apply yet in the yeah, in exactly, Great Britain. Yeah. So people who want to bring a software medical device to market and, and believe that they ought to be able to do so as a class one under the old directive uh, guidelines as opposed to the new regulation standards. Uh, we do see people doing that. We do see people using essentially the old directive standards. The cost, of course, is if you're going down that route, 
you are limited to being able to uh, market that product in Great Britain. It doesn't actually give you much of an advantage. There are circumstances in which we see it, but by and large, we don't see much of that. The one place where we also see people putting effort into UKCA marking is in relation to certain classes of IVDs because the extensions in relation to in vitro diagnostics are less generous. It's possible, as you suggested, that the UK is waiting for the European Commission to blink on IVDR transitional periods in the same way they blinked for MDR um, and and that that might be reflected. But other than that, we see very few people putting much effort into UKCA. Most of our clients have got a finite budget, a finite amount of time, and are desperately playing catch up on MDR already. So most of them are not putting much effort in. They're obviously keeping a very keen eye on what's happening here with um, with the periods, but. For the time being, most are doing adopting a wait and see strategy. Hey, just a second. Do you need a EU, Swiss, or UK representative? Then choose Easy Medical Device. We can represent you and also become your importer. Contact us at eo at easymedicaldevice.com. So we have um, four approved bodies actually um, in the UK. So SGS, BSI, UL, and uh, the last one was DECRA, if I remember. They uh-huh. are not qualified for all products. They have some that is only for IVD, some for uh, just uh, medical devices and IVD, some for active medical devices and IVD, some for, I mean, it's completely, um, yeah, uh, not really uh, <laughs> not really harmonized, etc. for the moment. <laughs> no. So um, actually, so... Is there also an effort from the MHRA or the UK government to then encourage more notified bodies like Chief Sud or like uh, GMED or like uh, all those those that we have in Europe to be UK uh, approved bodies also? Um, I'm afraid most of what I'm going to be able to tell you is now slightly rumours rather than firm information. But the MHRA told us all earlier this year, I'm going to say in February, um, they, they told us all that there were six uh, applicants to become uh, approved bodies in the pipeline. Um, I know that Tuvsud was one of them, um, but again, only anecdotally. So the MHRA isn't wasn't particularly rushing to get more people certified, in part because they realised that the law was going to change. And if you're approved now as an approved body under our old laws, bearing in mind our new laws are going to take effect next year, you might have to recertify in the same way you did from MDD to MDR. You might have to do old UK MDR to new UK MDR. So we don't see a great deal of effort there, and we definitely don't look like we're going to get double-digit numbers of uh, bodies uh, as yet. And I think all of the applicants, in fact, I'm certain, all of the applicants are existing EU-notified bodies just trying to get an approval for their clone company over here. Exactly. And as you've said, also, um, we we are, I mean, UK is now under MDD, I mean, uh, following MDD or IVDD. Um, the UK has last year, if I remember, made the consultation last year or the year before, they made the consultation for the uh, for their new law. They are now working, I think, on creating this new law, this new uh, thing. Everybody's right. saying that would be a copy paste of MDR. I'm not. I don't know exactly if they are following all this rule, but it makes no sense for people to now be UKCA with all the things that are within MDD, and then 
after the new law is, 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 is here, they have now to switch everything to, uh, um, to the new MDR. I have some customers, for example, that are MDR approved, and now they have to go to the UK as UKCA, and they have then to uh, yes. make the dossier under NDD, etc. I mean, all, all these changes there. So yes, it makes no sense to make the switch now. Um, th th there will be very occasional uh, reasons for it. So someone who thought that their legacy certificate was going to be reanimated under the Article 20 process, but something went wrong, their notified body's gone insolvent or isn't MDR certified or they can't get an MDR QMS in place. People like that who then can't use that as the basis into the UK, uh, some of them are getting a UKCA in relation to a clone dossier. You follow what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but by and large, people aren't really chasing UKCA in any great uh, in any great measure for the reason that they don't want wasted effort for exactly the reason. And anyone who's with a notified body who has already done the conformity assessment in, say, Germany, they will want to wait until Tuvzud or Tuv Rhineland or Tuv Nord or wherever it is has also got a UKCA uh, the, the ability to issue a UKCA because they don't want to jump from, for example, Tulsud to BSI and then have a de novo review of the dossier. Yeah, because if you have already a notified body in Europe, the best chance you have is that this notified body get a UK uh, approved, uh, get, be a UK approved body, and then you can bridge, make maybe a bridging procedure with them so that uh, they don't need to review everything uh, from A to Z. It's what's happening with BSI, actually. All the customers exactly. from BSI say, we are looking at what we have already audited. We will not audit you twice for the same thing. So then let's uh, make a bridging procedure. So there are all those kind of strategies also that um, that should be in place and people have to to understand. Because we have some customers that say, oh, to sell to the UK, I need to be UKCA. But I said to them, no, CE marking is sufficient for the moment. Be yeah. Take the benefit of it. So no need for you to... Uh, um, to switch 10 times, if I can say, from one to the other, which is uh, great. Um, yeah. One thing that is um, strange, if I can say, if you see it from outside, is about the Northern Ireland. Yes. Um, we heard, I mean, when, when there was this announcement of Brexit and this and that, we, we saw that Northern Ireland was considered differently than UK. We said, but is Northern Ireland part of the UK or not? But uh, at the end, we are a bit surprised and say, what's why it's happening like that? Why, why this is the reason? And we know that because of Ireland, that there is a border, that products can also switch, etc. There are a lot of things there, but is there an, uh, a political reason for the Northern yeah. Ireland situation there? To avoid a civil war. Um, <laughs> okay. so, so we think going back to the civil war that we had going in the 80s and 90s is probably suboptimal. And if we establish a meaningful barrier between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, such that there is a border within the island of Ireland, then there's a real risk that there will this will lead to very significant uh, disruptions. And it's not really about medical devices. It's about having a free flowing border in the same way we did when we we're in the United uh, in the European Union. So the horrible uh, act of self-harm, one of the most spectacular acts of self-harm ever, namely Brexit, it was always going to be the case that there had to be a special treatment for Northern Ireland. And for all intents and purposes, Northern Ireland is considered part of the European Union for this. So um, even if you have a UKCA mark, that's really essentially only applicable in Great Britain. So if if I wanted to get a self-certified software medical device class one uh, tomorrow, 
and I wanted to do that under the MDD standards for Great Britain. I could not sell that into Northern Ireland. The EU MDR Rule 11 standards would apply to the Northern Ireland market. So yeah, it's um, this is also a bit disturbing for, for for companies that are trying to reach this market because they say, okay, should I go this? Because there is also the UKNI marching also yeah. that but, is but, happening there. Yeah, I've never seen one. I've never seen yeah, the UCA bracket NI. And I don't think any of the approved bodies are authorized to be able to give a UKCA bracket NI. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but I certainly haven't seen anyone, and I haven't I haven't spoken to anyone who's found an advantage to bothering with that. So now now that uh, if I can say that MHRA is working on that and and doing all this, as you said, they don't want to be just a watchdog; they want really to be um, to be there uh, working on on the on the situation. So is Brexit, if I can say, the accelerator that helped the MHRA to do all that? Is the fact that EU is not really telling what UK should be doing that helps them to make the decision move? There is also some announcement about MDSA, there is announcement about Innovative, there is announcement about a lot of things. And the, the, the thing that I'm I'm sorry about is the fact that when he, when UK was in the EU, the MHR was a big contributor to all what is happening in EU for medical devices with a lot of guidances, a lot of information, a lot of educative material, etc. Now they are out, they do it for themselves, but not for EU. So it's what, what we are missing here. So is Brexit also helping? Was it an accelerator for doing all that? Um, I think it's a political accelerator rather than much of a legal accelerator. Strictly speaking, under the directives and the regulation, individual member states can give conditional authorizations, can give conditional approvals, 97s, 59s, whatever. So strictly speaking, in the same way we did during the pandemic before Brexit actually hit, um, the government, the MHRA could give exceptional use authorization. So I think the legal powers were there, but it was politically unwise to antagonize the European Commission. So, um, you know, the, the idea of moving faster in in the UK than, uh, than in the EU was politically difficult. So this has enabled a political change of mindset, um, but I don't think there was a big legal change that was necessary. Now, some people have criticized the slightly light touch approach that the UK is going to adopt in relation in, sorry, for example, in relation to the AI legislative framework, that this will mean there are 55 million guinea pigs available in Great Britain. Um, yeah. And so products will be tested here. Um, it's an intriguing political debate as to whether, so the MHRA adopted the tagline, we want to be a proving ground, not a dumping ground. Yep. So we want people to come with radically new technologies to us and we will work alongside you. Not waving everything through, but working alongside. So yes, I think that it is a it's kind of a political change rather than a dramatic legal change. But that has accelerated over time as it become has become apparent that the UK is not going to demand a separate parallel regulatory framework. It looks much more likely that we're going to have unilateral recognition. Exactly. And um, uh, if we <coughs> take also the history of UK, UK is part of the Commonwealth. We have a lot of other regions there. So if is, is there also an idea of um, UK with all the other regions having also one regulation? So if I 
have a UKCA, I can go to Australia, maybe, or South Africa, or, or Gibraltar, or those regions? Uh, yes and no. Um, I don't think those countries, by way of example, uh, my Australian accent coming through, I don't think that the TGA is as yet going to unilaterally recognise a UKCA mark that has been issued by the MHRA rather than by an approved body for something genuinely experimental. So that's a little bit wait and see. But as you say, there are lots of piggyback countries that rely on a uh, CE mark. Yeah. Do we expect that they would also rely on a full UK CA mark? Yes, we do. But that isn't a particularly strong initiative for the time being. Great. Yeah, I think uh, we'll hear about that maybe in future. But for now, let's focus. We focused on on UK, and yeah, it's uh, it's uh, as we said, a good news for UK um, legislation for manufacturers that are saying in the UK they have more time also to comply with that. They can wait for the new legislation to come and then to um, um to learn and to yeah not 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 to be patient if I can say on, on what they are doing here. Um. Okay, Alex. So really, thank you for um these informations. Um. I mean in terms of your company and what you are doing so why people should contact you and what can you offer as a service for maybe our auditors that are listening here well um we we mainly act for people developing and commercializing innovative medtech um and and so people come to us and talk about what are the opportunities what are the strategies the vast majority of the advice that me and the team there's half a dozen of us here in the reg team um the, the the majority of the advice we give is at a European level. So we advise on EU MDR, EU IBDR, the medicines framework, etc. The last judicial review we did was in Luxembourg at the Court of Justice alongside the EMA. So we do a lot of European work as well as English work, and we can help you navigate those two requirements. Um, if I'm honest, we're fairly busy at the moment um, because there's quite a lot going on, but we'd be super happy to help and have a chat with people about helping to navigate what is a fairly fluid and difficult situation. Exactly. And I, I put all your details on the show notes. Uh, I placed also um, your website and you are also making some blog posts and you have a blog post about UKCA. So I also placed the link on the on the show notes. So if people want really to look at that and, and have a better understanding of your what also what your company. And I suppose they can contact you also on LinkedIn if they have any, any questions. A hundred percent. Great. Okay, um, Alex. I was just going to mention yeah. one other little piece of uh, uh, information. It's possible the European Commission might reconsider something like a conditional approval or an innovative pathway when they come to reopen MDR, IVDR. Um, so there are people who would like the Commission to adopt something a little like the UK. So it might be after all things become old, become new again, it might be the European Commission looking at the English legislative framework when exactly. the time comes. And I would love that because, yeah, as I said, this is really something that is um, not helping the market because now innovative uh, products are going to other countries than in Europe because it's too difficult to go to Europe for the moment for some of them. But it's great. So thanks for, the, for this uh, information there. Okay, Alex, it was really a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much and I wish you a nice day. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much, Mani. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.